God, I believe that uh, as you prepare hearts through the singing of, of the, the, the worship songs, through a preparation so that you can speak to us, God, we pray that we would have uh, open hearts and open minds, that your spirit would move, that he would convict us, um, God, and that your word would not return void, just as scripture says. And so, God, we pray today that you speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Hey, I love to watch stupid people. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever, you ever get to watch people and you're like, oh my gosh, what were you thinking? Matter of fact, I love to watch stupid people as long as they don't affect me. When they affect me, then it becomes personal. I mean, you, you ever been in that situation? Like when somebody is dumb and it affects you, you're like, okay, now we've got problems. As a matter of fact, as I talk about this, as long as they're not killing themselves or not doing it where they hurt somebody else. I love to watch stupid people to the point of I love slapstick humor. Anybody else? Like if it involves somebody getting hurt and not like killing themselves, I love it. Matter of fact, it drives my wife nuts in movies because I like those types of movies, slapstick humor. Um, There is a website that's even devoted uh, to stupid things that people have done to get themselves killed all right, and it's called the Darwin Awards. Anybody ever heard about them? <laughs> okay, the Darwin Awards are, are phenomenal. Matter of fact, uh, you can go and check out the website if you want to. Uh, you'll, you'll be amazed. I remember reading about one Darwin Award where a thief had broke into a store, and in order to get out, he decided to exit through the air shaft and got stuck, and after a while, everybody's like, what's that smell? Um, you know, and they end up they end up obviously catching the guy. He's already dead, but but I I, I know he's he's caught and he's dead. Uh, but here, here's what I say, and we're starting a new series. For those of you who don't know, we're we're looking at what it means to be wise. All right, and wise is you know one of those things that some people are wise in their own eyes, where somebody else may look at it, and so we're calling it wisdom. All right, and what did the idea is a play on words that we want to have wise words to avoid dumb decisions. All right, so we're going to be jumping in. We're going to look at a number of, uh, of texts throughout the next couple of weeks, but today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, and as you're thinking about the idea of stupid people, I, I posted this on Facebook earlier this week. Stupid people are like glow sticks. I want to snap them and shake them until the light comes on. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Matter of fact, my wife, my wife gave me one. Uh, I'll, I'll save that one for later. We won't worry about it. But, but uh, here, here's a statement that, that, that my wife did give me. She said, when you're dead, you don't know that you're dead. All the pain is felt by others. It's the same way when you're stupid. You know, I, I, I oftentimes think about things like that. And what I want to look at today is how do we get true wisdom? How do we become a person who gains true wisdom, a true understanding? You know, I could sit around and talk with people about why, wisdom and things. We, you, we all have an, a, a, a person maybe that we identify as wise. I remember growing up, and I've, I've said this before, I remember growing up and we would go up to my grandparents' cabin up in Wyoming and listen to my grandfather and my dad and my uncle talk, and I would just sit back and be like, man, I, I, I hope I can be wise 
like that at some point. What is, what is wisdom? What does it look like? As a matter of fact, I, I oftentimes think about uh, what is wisdom in my life? How do I look? Or do other people look at me as wise? Am I a person who is growing in wisdom? Do I understand that? Albert Einstein said at one point, the difference between stupidity and genius is that genius has its limits, whereas stupidity doesn't. And I, I think it's one of those things that we look at. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 2. And as we start this series called Wisdom, we're, we're really looking at what does God's Word, what does God's Word say, the wise words to avoid dumb decisions. Because all of us have been in a situation in life, if, if we were honest with ourselves, where we made a dumb decision. Whether it was a dumb financial decision, a dumb relationship decision, a dumb business decision, just a dumb decision in all, we've all been in those situations or circumstances where we haven't made the best decision. Maybe it was disobedience to what God had called us to do, and that led us into the, the, the consequences of a dumb decision. So in, in Proverbs chapter 2, it says this, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We're going to pause right there because I'm going to read the rest here in a brief moment. But I want to give you a story about an individual. Matter of fact, the individual who most likely wrote uh, Proverbs, and that's uh, the King uh, Solomon. Matter of fact, he wrote the Song of Solomon as well, or the Song of Songs. And, and in First Kings chapter three, uh, verses nine through twelve we get a, a story about what Solomon says he desired. Matter of fact, in, in chapter 3, verse 9 through 12, I'm going to read it very simply for you so you can understand Solomon's heart. Solomon uh, goes to the Lord. He's praying to the Lord, and he says, look, you've, you've given me this kingship. I'm, I'm in a place of leadership. Under, you know, I was under my father, David, but now I'm a young guy. I'm looking for wisdom as I lead. And he says in verse 9, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon acknowledges his stance in life. He acknowledges that he doesn't have a lot of experience. He doesn't have a lot of expertise. He needs the Lord's help. And he's just literally saying to God, God, I need your Wisdom And listen to what the Lord says. It says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And so God said to him, since you have asked for this, and not for a long life or for wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you have asked, and I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And then he says, moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. See, what we look back at, at, a, at an individual in Scripture, and we say, man, that guy was wise. We read Proverbs, and we're like, man, this, this has got a lot of truth. This has got a lot of a wisdom for me in my life that can speak truth into my life, that can set me up to make wise and successful decisions, all right? And Solomon, in the beginning, asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for destruction of his enemies. He didn't ask for any of that. He says, God, I'm just asking you to give me wisdom. And I think it's in reality the one thing that all of us need to ask for. God, I need your 
wisdom in my life. In every decision I make, I want to make a decision that is wise. Not wise in my own eyes, but wise in the ways of the Lord. Because in reality, when I look at it, there are a lot of decisions that were started off, in my opinion, wise, that ended up being dumb. You're sitting there going, man, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. When, when we were in school at, at SBU, we would go out to Stockton Lake, uh, and there was these cliffs. And I loved to jump off these cliffs. It's an old rock quarry. I would jump off the cliffs. Loved it. All right? And there was like a, about a 15-foot cliff, probably about a 30-foot cliff. And then there, depending on the time of year, because the water level would go down, start off about probably 50, 55 feet. And then by the end of summer was probably about 65, you know, it's longer and forward. But anyways, we're, we're out in the lake one day. And I'm doing the jumps, and Sarah, Sarah's like, I'm not jumping anything. She got a floaty. She just floated on the lake. And so we're doing the jumps. Well, here comes this boat and jet skis, and a lot of people would kind of anchor out. Or I say anchor. They would just kind of float around because I think it was too deep to anchor. But this guy comes up on a jet ski, and it's obviously he's been drinking because his friends are talking about him drinking. And so I climb up. I jump off the big cliff. I swim over to Sarah. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. Dude's drunk. Dude's got a life vest on. Dude climbs 60-foot cliff. And not just jumps. He decides he's going to do a one and a half. And he made a one and a quarter at 60 feet. And you know what that sounds like? I mean, I've done it on like a five-foot diving board, you know, like one of the small diving boards where you only make a one and a quarter. That, boom. And I mean, he come up and he was screaming bloody murder. And I was like, there is the dumbest decision you could ever make is to do a one and a half flip off a 60 foot cliff when you're drunk. All right? And so I think about stupid decisions and we've all been there, we've all done that, but here's the big kicker. Here's what I want you to remember. If you remember anything else, you can remember this statement that true wisdom begins with God and will lead you into understanding and away from destructive behavior. Do you get that picture? True wisdom begins with God, leads you in a point of understanding or in a relationship of understanding what God wants you to do and away from destructive behavior. Because if we're all honest with ourselves, we can look back in life and look at a lot of destructive behavior we have let creep in because we made a dumb decision rather than making a wise decision. And so wisdom is something we have to strive for, we have to grow into, we have to learn, yeah, yeah from experience. But I think there's a lot of things that can be learned from what God's Word says to us about wisdom. And so that's what we're going to camp out today in Proverbs chapter 2. So as we begin to dig in, I want you to think about that. Listen to this. Number one, I want you to see four things today. Number one, I must search for wisdom constantly. That's exactly what, the, what, what, what he's saying here. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands with you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure. See, I have to be able to search for the wisdom that God gives me consistently and constantly throughout his word. All right? I believe that many people want wisdom, but they don't want to deal with what it takes to gain the wisdom a lot of times. I don't want to put in the time. I don't want to get to, to, to do the things I have to do to gain the wisdom I need to gain. See, this chapter hinges, this whole chapter, chapter 2, hinges on these first four verses. 
See, we can go the way of wisdom and we can find true life. We can find the love and we can find God or we can turn our backs on God. We can find isolation. We can find bitterness and we can find death. See, there are eight verbs here in these first four verses. Eight. Accept. All right. Store up. Turning. Applying. Call. Cry. Look. And search. Eight verbs in four verses that are described in how you look for wisdom. How do I gain wisdom? Well, I gain wisdom, first of all, by accepting God's words. I learn to look into God's words. Listen again, because it's very simple. If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, here's the reality that most of us struggle with. If you want to make a wise decision, the way you make a wise decision is by taking in more and more of God's word. As a matter of fact, if you're a person who doesn't read the Bible a lot and you want to get started, here's what I'm going to tell you to start with right here. Proverbs, there's 31 Proverbs. Most months, there are 30 days, if not 31 days in a month. If you have never read God's Word, you've never dug into the Bible, or maybe you have no devotional time, very simple task that you can go home and start almost right away is look at the day of the week. Oh, hey, today's the 22nd. I can go home and read Proverbs 22. If you are into devotional reading, which I would highly encourage you, and you don't read a Proverbs a day, this is something you can add to your devotional time so that God can teach you wisdom through the book of Proverbs. So we begin to do this. And so it's accepting God's word. I have to accept the words that God gives me so that I can live out an understanding heart. I can live out the obedience that God has called me to do. And then listen, he says, and store up my commands within you. Go and read Psalms. Go and listen to Psalms chapter 119. Longest chapter in the Bible. Go read Psalm 119, and over and over and over again, he talks about storing up God's commands, God's precepts. Don't let my, your precepts be far from me, but let me live out your commands in my life. And that's literally what he's saying at this point. We have to store up the commands within us. And so I say this consistently. You need to be taking part consistently in reading God's word, but you should be also taking part in memorizing God's word that you can store up the commands inside you. If I'm storing something, you know, we can go back to old school Y2K stuff. Remember when everybody was like hoarding and storing food because they were afraid the end of the world was coming because the calendar was going to shift from 1999 to 2000. For all those of you who are old, don't worry, or young, don't worry about it because it doesn't make sense to you, all right? Because you probably were born after Y2K, all right? But listen, here's the big deal, okay? If I store it up, I am putting it someplace, and saving it for later what? Use. When I memorize God's word, it may not make the biggest impact at that point, but when I memorize God's word, when it needs to speak to me, God's going to recall it. He's going to bring it back to mind, and he's going to say, hey, you remember this point? You remember this decision? You want to make a wise decision? Follow my word, because that's the biggest thing we have to do. So I turn my ear towards wisdom and to the words of the Lord, storing up God's commands or his precepts, which apply understanding to my heart. And so I search for the keys to wisdom and understanding in the right place, and you'll understand the fear of the Lord. So I brought one of these things. How many of you guys know what this is? Are you sure? You probably never used one because you all use your phones, right? Like, I know my son, when we pulled this out, he's like, what's that, Dad? I'm like, it's an atlas. He's like, 
A what? An atlas. You can get maps on it. He's like, well, I could do that on the phone. And I'm like, yeah, but this is a book. This is way better, dude. This is awesome. Like, and I don't know how you were. When I was bored driving with my parents growing up, you know, we were on vacation. I'd be like, hey, can I see that atlas? And I'd try and figure out where we're at. All the little towns that we'd go to. We head out to California from Wyoming, and I would follow our route. Hey, yeah, we're in St. George, Utah. That's awesome. I learned geography that way. Not on a phone, but with the map. Now, so I, the reason why I say this is because to a certain extent, God's word is a roadmap, right? We want to make wise decisions. It's a roadmap. If I was to tell you, hey, you need to go to Polson, Montana. That's where my grandparents retired, no longer live there. Polson, Montana, beautiful little town at the very south tip of Flathead Lake in Montana. If I said go to Polson, Montana, how, have you, how many of you would just start going? How many of you even know where Polson, Montana is? No. It's in Montana. Well, <laughs> leave it to my wife. So anyways, but you would plan out the route, right? You would look to gain wisdom. What's the best way? Do I go all the way to Minnesota and go straight across? Do I head across Nebraska and Wyoming and then cut up into... Maybe I just go across Colorado and I'll head straight up through Utah into Montana. I'm going to make the wise decision, right? I mean, in some way, shape, or form, I can get there. But the best way to do it is go to what? The Atlas or my phone. And I can find directions. I can find the directions to make the wise decision in how I need to get there. And the same way goes in my life. When I need to make a decision, I go to the directions. God, what is the wise decision in my life? Listen to me. This is in everything. Finding a mate. Finding the person you're going to date. Making a decision on how you're going to date them what kind of decisions you're going to make when you're in certain circumstances and decisions and situations in dating and relationships. How do I live a pure life? Financial decisions. Do I join into a business partnership with somebody who's not a believer? Because they're going to look at things a lot differently than I do. These are all key questions we have to ask that lead us away from dumb decisions into wise decisions. Matter of fact, the Bible is very clear in Psalm chapter 111. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who follow his precepts have good understanding. He's going to point you in the right direction. And so the Bible talks a great deal about wisdom and gives us many truths to live by and words to take to heart to become wise. And I believe this wholeheartedly, and it's something we have to understand. True wisdom, in reality, will lead us to the cross of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says very clearly that the wisdom of God is considered foolishness to the world, to those who are perishing. Because the wisdom of God was Christ on the cross. And Christ on the cross is the very answer for the sins and the problem that we have in our life. That Jesus stayed on the cross so that you and I could have life and life more abundantly. And Jesus could have walked off at any time, but he didn't. He was obedient to the will of the Father. He says, I'm going to stay here. This is the big picture. And so if we want to understand God's will, we want to understand wisdom. We understand that God's wisdom was first and foremost in Christ and through Christ on the cross. That was the payment for the sins that we live, for the dumb decisions we make, right? The payment for our dumb decisions was Jesus' death on the cross. Sounds like foolishness to everybody else. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You ever had somebody tell you that? You really believe Jesus died and rose again? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's the wisdom of God. That's exactly how it's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
Foolishness to those who are perishing. For us, it is eternal life. That's the promise. So I search for wisdom constantly in my life. God, what do you want to speak into me? How do you want to change me? Number two is this. I must know true wisdom comes from God. True wisdom comes from God. Look at verses five and following. He says this. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Do you see the picture that's going on? Matter of fact, let's, let's jump on and continue to read. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. I want you to understand this. If true wisdom comes from God, then God reveals it to us, and he also says, this is going to help you in the bigger picture. This is going to protect you from making dumb decisions. This is going to protect you and help you make wise decisions. See, the ability to see God's care for people is one thing that we have to begin to understand. The fool sees no evidence of this. Oh, God, who's God? The fool says in their heart, there is no God. But the wise say in their heart that there is a God and God has a plan for me. The one who is wise understand that God gives success and protection to those who are holy and righteous. He promises that. And so my highest goal should be making decisions that are God-honoring in every area of my life because I'm striving for holiness and obedience to God. If true wisdom comes from God, then I strive for holiness and obedience, not in my own power, but in Christ's power. Why? Because true wisdom comes from God, and he's going to protect me and shield me during that time. He will give me understanding. So if I want to have wise words to prevent me from making dumb decisions, I have to go to God to get it, because he's going to lay it out for me. And so as I make these wise decisions... It's a matter of where God is going to lead me for. Why? Because the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Here's one of the biggest things when he talks about understanding. And I, I'm not, not here to scare you, but I also want you to understand this. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever talk about that if you become a Christian, you're never going to have problems. You're never going to face adversity. You're never going to have fear. You're never. No, it doesn't talk about that. It says that you should take your fears and your worries and your problems to the Lord, that you should learn to be content in whatever the circumstance, that no matter what I go through, that there is, uh, there is a, a person I can go to, that I can put my burden on him and I can rest in him because he's going to walk me through every situation. And listen, there's a point in time where you're going to be in, a, in, a, in a, a predicament, in a situation where you're going to look and go, I don't understand why you're doing this to me, God. But I will walk with you faithfully, knowing that at some point in time, you will reveal that to me. Whether that's a death of a loved one, whether that's a loss of a job, whether that's financial difficulties and troubles, maybe even a struggling marriage. At some point in time, it will be revealed to you why you walk through those situations and circumstances. It could be even the point where a, a son or daughter is walking away from what you've taught them. 
They've left the church. They, think, they, they say there's no reason to go to church. There's no reason to have a relationship with God. Those are things that God can work. Why? Because true wisdom comes from God, and he will reveal it in his own time so that you understand it. See, if true wisdom comes from God, we have to begin to follow him. Listen, listen to what happens. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's go back to that Atlas thing. When we were driving at night, my dad used to get mad like so many others did because we'd be driving along. I'm going to follow the map. What do you do? Well, yeah, but I didn't have a flashlight. So what did I do? Turn on the dome light. Turn the light off. I can't see the road. Right? Okay, so then I got smart. I bring a flashlight, all right? But I want you to think about this. If your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, does that mean it's pointing out the end? Nope. It means it's lighting up right in front of me where I take my next step. And then the next step. And then the next step. Matter of fact, some of you who are young enough, you don't realize what it's like to be in a place with a dim flashlight because all you've known is LED. Back in the day, we had these little things called incandescent lights, and when the battery started going out, you'd be like, oh no, it's going out. We're going to have some problems here in a little bit, and all of a sudden the light would go out. Or if you had a really dim incandescent light, it would barely shine enough right in front of you to take a step at a time. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. But listen another way. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I must know that true wisdom comes from God. And he'll reveal it to me step by step, minute by minute, as I take in and understand and grow in his word. See, wisdom, I believe, gives us pleasure and wise leadings in life. The more wisdom one learns, the more one desires and enjoys it. All right? But we have to understand that that's a process of digging in and learning. Just as he said, store up my commands with your heart. Call out for insight. Cry aloud for understanding. And if you look for it as silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. How many of us would go looking for treasure and not dig? Just walk around. Well, find a treasure map, walk to the X and go, hey, found the treasure. No, you're going to dig for it, right? Just because you got to the point where it says the treasure's at doesn't mean you found it. That's like going to church and going, hey, found God, never dig into his word at all. I'm good. No, you dig for the treasure. You put in the work and the effort to dig it out to find it. Why? I want to dig that wisdom out. I want to know what God has to say to me. How do I strengthen my marriage? Look, we're in a day and an age and a culture whether it's Dr. Phil or old school Oprah or I don't even know the other talk shows are on. I don't watch that junk anymore. <laughs> anymore. Never watched it in the first place, but I don't watch it any. All right? But there are all kinds of places that you can go for gaining wisdom, worldly wisdom, ideas and thoughts about what you can do. Make your marriage better by doing this. Become financially successful by doing this. When the reality is a slow, steady, consistent mining of God's word so that I know exactly what it is he wants me to do. So number three is this. We're going to wrap up fairly quickly. True wisdom protects me from dumb decisions. True wisdom 
protects me from dumb decisions. Look at the following verses. We're going to start in verse 9 and we'll, or verse 11 and we'll read on. Wisdom will save you from the ways of what? Wicked men. From men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and whose, who are devious in their ways. So what's he say is going to happen? When I seek, when I mine out, when I dig in, when I start to look for God's wisdom, what's he say it's going to do? It's going to protect me from the dumb decisions. It's going to protect me from the ways of evil men. Matter of fact, if you remember in the words of the great philosopher and theologian Forrest Gump, stupid is as stupid does. Okay? That's the idea that God's saying. When you gain wisdom, when you begin to dig and look for the wisdom of God in every situation, in every circumstance, through His Word, then God will protect you from the stupid is as stupid does. God will guide you in the way. Don't get caught up with the wrong crowd. You know, my, my dad used to say, birds of a feather flock together. You know, the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, bad company corrupts good character. Who you hang out with on a consistent basis, if you're not strong, if you're not digging into God's word, if you're not finding the wisdom that God has, who you hang around with is going to be the very people who pull you down if you're not a wise person. Because you will begin to make the decisions they make. You'll begin to follow their leadership and their influence. Listen, I'm all for a person of influence, and I talk about this consistently. I hang around a bunch of guys on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights when we're playing softball together, that most people, you know, I mean, there's a huge crowd. Heck, my wife was sat out there a couple times now, now that our kids are gone out with my parents. And it's, it's a different bunch. But I've also made the decisions right from the get-go. God, I'm not going to leave your word. I'm not going to stray. I'm going to follow you in every way so that I can live a Christ-like example in front of you. Not everybody can do that, I understand. If you were a person who struggles with alcohol and you started hanging out with my buddies I play softball with, probably not wise to be hanging out with them. I don't struggle at all with alcohol. That ain't the furthest thing from me. But these guys drink. I mean, heck, man, they're drinking yesterday before, before the softball game. Yeah, you know. And, and none of them are, I mean, none of them are plastered. I'm, I'm literally telling you this. They're not drunk. They're just drinking. But if you were a person who struggles with alcohol, it wouldn't be wise to go out and be hanging out with these guys all the time because that's one of the things that they do. So you have to know the circumstance or situation. True wisdom protects me from dumb decisions. I know. I know without a doubt that there are going to be things, there are going to be temptations I face, and I have to put guards in place so that I don't give in to those temptations. All right? But I'll also tell you this. My best friends, my best friends are my church friends. It's not that I don't have non-church friends. I do have non-church friends. But my best friends are church friends. Why? Because those are the people I get the most enjoyment out. Don't get me wrong. I have a blast around some of these guys, a lot of these guys. But the most enjoyment I have is when I'm with my church friends, my believing friends. All right? So listen, the protection wisdom gives is that it keeps its follower from making decisions that will later only regret, right? I remember I, t I talk about this consistently. I wish I could go back and change my high school, the way I acted in high school, what I did in high school, 
I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I know, I know without a doubt, I could have been a better example, a better influence. I could have stood for Jesus rather than standing for being an idiot to try and be accepted in worldly circles that really don't matter once you graduate. True wisdom protects me from dumb decisions. And granted, look, I know high school, you're like, well, that's why you weren't wise. No, but I could have been a little bit wiser by seeking more of God in his word, by living out his word day in and day out. Why? Because wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. But wisdom also, listen, wisdom protects me from the ways of evil men, but it also protects me from the adulteress. Listen to what it says in verse 16. It will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death, her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Listen, here's one of the biggest things. Dumb decisions, the ways of evil men, and then the adulterous person. And I'm not just going to throw this out. I know Grant is talking about the wayward woman, but I want you to think about this. In today's world that says, look, you can do whatever you need to do outside the bounds of marriage to make sure your marriage is happy and healthy. What I'm here to tell you is this. When you walk in the path of an adulteress and you start to begin to flirt in those realms, you are setting yourself up for destruction and pain, not enjoyment in life. I think one of the biggest things that I I struggle with today when I see the wisdom, quote-unquote, worldly wisdom of people is when I've seen things like, hey, we recommend cheating on your spouse to make your marriage healthy. Hey, we recommend that you watch as a couple pornography to have a strong, healthy, vibrant marriage relationship. I'm telling you this right now. That will never lead to success. It will lead you to destruction. It will destroy your relationships. It will tear apart your marriage and it will destroy your family. True wisdom protects me from dumb decisions. Dumb, stupid, asinine, idiotic, confusing, destructive decisions. I know what the world says. I know all kinds of things about what the world's saying. You want to be successful, do this. You want to have a successful marriage. You want to be a successful business person. You want to do all of these things. But I'm here to tell you, there are so many things here in the Bible that will point you in the right direction and not lead you in the wrong direction. You have to mine for it. You have to dig into it. You have to gain the answers and the insights that God gives because that's the way I gain wisdom. Because true wisdom starts at God, and true wisdom ends with God. So remember, if I want to protect myself from these circumstances and situations, I have to be guarded in that. I always keep this in mind because I've seen too many pastors fail. Matter of fact, this happened recently in the Southern Baptist Convention. Quite a few guys have fallen, and and those are just people that I know of that have been publicly brought out. But I always think about this, and I heard a pastor say this at one point, and I always think about this, that greater men than me have fallen. Never consider yourself so strong 
and so able to withstand the temptation that you will never fail. What you do is you set up every guard, every, every circumstance, every situation has to be set up so that you can guard your heart. That's why I don't make this sound bad. Uh, matter of fact, I was even talking with a gentleman this year, um, our, our church secretary, love her dearly, Mary, Mary's 72. I won't hire, and I don't make this sound bad, if I hire a younger one, it's going to be a remote secretary. And you say, why is that? Because I end up working with them. When you're the solo pastor on staff, you're working in close quarters with another person. And there are too many circumstances, situations, or problems that can come up. Nothing may ever happen, but all it takes is one person to walk in and go, hey, this could happen. So you set up every guard. I've told you this before. My wife has, we have parentally controlled TV stuff. She's got the password. I have no control over it. I've told her, don't tell me. Don't tell me if I ask. I don't want to even have the temptation. I won't give a woman a ride by herself. If, if a woman wants to meet, number one, we meet in public. Number two, my wife's there. I hope you understand that. It's not that I distrust you. It's the fact that I want to set up a guard right from the get-go that it's very clear that I don't want to have any sort of doubt in anybody's mind. Look, in today's world, honestly, think about this. With the Me Too thing and everything, in today's world, it's best for both parties. Not one party, both parties. To protect yourself. To not put yourself in a situation that's going to lead you down a road of destruction. I don't want to fail my wife. I don't want to fail my kids. I sure as heck don't want to fail the church. But my main point is, I don't want to fail God. I would rather be obedient to man long before I ever cater the, or obedient to God long before I ever cater the whims of man. So I've set up guards. And listen, I know lots of men who have set up these guards and still fallen. Why? Because greater men than me have fallen. Never discredit what God or what Satan can do to get you away from God and to make you make a dumb decision. True wisdom protects me from dumb decisions. And number four, I'm going to wrap up with this. Godly wisdom leads me down the path of righteousness. Listen to what he says in the following verses, 20 through 22. Thus, in other words, if I dig for this out, thus you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land. I want you, you can even highlight or underline if you want to, will live in in the land, this idea of living, that I may have life and life more abundantly, and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the unfaithful will be torn from it. See, my goal, my striving, my point is that godly wisdom will lead me down the path of righteousness. Why? Because when we search for the wisdom of the Lord through his word, when we read and we remember what he teaches us, when we pray and ask God for wisdom, then we will walk in the good paths. Why? Because the power of the word through the power of the spirit is is what changes my heart from the beginning is what leads me down the path of wisdom to the path of righteousness. That's the point of making a wise decision, not a dumb decision. Why? Because I want to walk in the presence of good men. Why? Because I want to keep to the path of righteousness. Why? Because I know that the upright will live in the land. Listen, over and over and over again, I say this, but we have to begin to understand that when Jesus came, he says, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. 
What I'm telling you is this. There is a way in the world that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. If I want to be wise, I follow God's word. I memorize God's word. I take in more and more of God's word so that I can be successfully obedient to what God has called me to do. So that I can be a wise person that doesn't make the dumb decisions that everybody else seems to run into so freely. And listen to me, there is no greater feeling as a pastor than when your people that God has called you or placed you over to shepherd, to lead, walk in the wisdom of the Lord. And they see success in their marriage and success in their business and success in their family and success in their devotional life and success in leading people to Christ and standing on the truth of the word. That's what pleases a pastor. And then most importantly, that's what pleases God. And what I love about the promise is this, that God's wisdom will lead me down the path of righteousness. But listen what he says, for the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. Imagine that, that you get to live the life that God has called you to live the life of abundance, the life of blessing, the life of righteousness, the life of holiness, a life of obedience. And you live life. I think one of the funniest things that I hear is oftentimes people are like, so do you have fun? Like, no, God hates me. We have no fun. We don't laugh. It's like, you don't drink. So you have to drink to have fun? Well, you don't, you don't mess around. I have to mess around to have fun? I'll be honest, like all my friends that I grew up with, like even going back to high school reunion, some of them didn't change. I'm sure everybody can say that. Everybody who's been to high school reunion, you're like, yep, that's the same dude he was 20 years ago. Still drinking, still looking for the girl he can get in bed, still a loser, still a tool. You know, you're like, nothing's changed. And that's what you call life? That's, if that's life, I, I don't want that life. Jesus promises this. I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. Remember, Jesus is the wisdom of God. Christ on the cross, foolishness to those who are perishing, but for those of us who are living, it is eternal life. What the world calls wise the Bible calls dumb, and what the Bible calls dumb, the world calls wise. Make sense? Pretty much does, doesn't it? So here's the challenge today. Here's how we're going to wrap up. I think the first thing we have to do is that we all have to realize that we're a sinner, saved by grace, through faith, in the work of Christ on the cross. If I want to gain true wisdom, true knowledge, true understanding, it starts with Jesus. Because remember, if you go back to the, the first part, all right, if we even go back for the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I have to start at Christ on the cross. Christ died for my sins so that I might have life. I don't pay the price that I should have paid. Instead, Jesus paid it for me. But listen, Jesus didn't stop there. Jesus rose again. And that rising again is what offers us the life more abundantly talks about. 
It's what offers us the ability to live and walk in wisdom and righteousness because Christ's holiness is imparted upon us, is given to us, that as we walk in obedience, as we're filled with the Spirit, as we take in more and more God's Word, we live Christ out daily for everybody else to see. That's true wisdom played out in our life on a daily basis. God's wisdom leads me down a path of righteousness. Listen to this. For His name's sake. That's the point. Wise words to lead me away from dumb decisions into righteous decisions all for God's glory so that other people can see Christ in me, Christ through me. So the question is today, are you living a life of wisdom or are you living a life of wisdom? Settling for the dumb decisions in the wisdom of the world. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge your truth. We know that you have changed us. We pray that in the midst of our life, we would be able to make wise decisions based upon your word, based upon how you work in and through us, based upon uh, storing up and recalling and memorizing your word. God, I know that we've all made dumb decisions. Everybody's been there. Heck, we'll make a dumb decision this week. We know that. And we know for the fact that, that, that you tell us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God, I pray that we be a people who seek out your heart. We would seek out your truth in Scripture. That God, we, we would dig in to understand the wise things that you want for us. That we can make wise decisions in every aspect of our life. That we can lead our families well. We can love our wives well. We can love those who are our neighbors. Love those who really even are our enemies. Because your word tells us to do that. And so, God, may we rest upon the fact. May we read more of your word. May we remember it. We recall it. We, we put it into memory so that we can live out your word on a daily basis. And, God, today I pray that if there's anybody here who's never put their faith and trust in Christ, that that's where it would begin. Because the world says it's foolish, but that is the very wisdom of God. Christ on the cross, Christ dying for us, Christ bearing the weight and the sins of the world, but Jesus resurrecting. And in his resurrection, he offers us life and life more abundantly. So God, today we pray that you would move and that you would change hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to close.